to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven and our homes. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or go to your Facebook page and look us up. And you can also hit C first to see and hear all the great programs that we have here on WNHH. And just a reminder, the show is also streaming on Greenhaven Media and ProCannabisMedia.com. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I'm your host, Joe Lachance. And uh, it is Monday, November the 21st, 2022. Wow. Getting close to Thanksgiving. I am joined by my co-host, the illustrious Uncle Lou. Lou What's up, brother? How are you, my friend? I'm enjoying the day back here. Uh, You know, New England's a little chilly, and I'm looking at a 38 degrees with another 10 degrees under that for the wind chill. It's uh, it's pretty chilly out here, just getting back from uh, MJ BizCon, so at least that was a little warmer there. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, Lou. How was the conference? Oh, you know, just with the events, the weekends that we do, it was another interesting interesting week at MJ BizCon and Las Vegas Cannabis Week. So very similar to like some of our past guests that we've had on from the Boston Cannabis Week and Mike Nikan and when they have the Boston Freedom Rally, um, that all of those things start to go in. Las Vegas does something very similar with MJ BizCon. Tons of after parties, tons of networking events um, from all different types from the industry. And you actually can see the intersection of every part of this industry back and forth from some from even with the 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 street hustler. Gotta love the street hustle and legacy guys. You know, somebody came out there one day, they had a, probably 150, 200 joints they were giving away with their flyers. You know, they called it, uh, they, they had the catchy anti-MJ BizCon um, slogan, and they were selling their, their wares, uh, black market style, off of their, uh, off their apps, you know, the whatever, in, in encoded apps, and you just hit them up off the name on the flyer, and they would drop you off a $60 half ounce. So they were, wow. you know. Yeah, you know, capitalizing on the uh, on the industry and the amount of tourists that were there that were cannabis users. So um, I did not have the opportunity to support that legacy gentleman, but I did get one of his pre-rolls and we smoked it and it was actually really good. So huge shout out to the to those guys doing the hustle game back in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, 
we did get to go. To yeah, we did. The Legacy market will always be alive, no matter what anybody does. If somebody says, "Oh no, that's not going to happen," then they're not true historians of the world. We still have moonshining going on, even with legal alcohol. So, if somebody's to say that the legacy market will disappear, um, they're sadly mistaken. Even as somebody who's going to be a brand, as somebody who I'm, you know, I'm all for getting your licenses. So, congratulations to the 37 new and very first legal dispensaries in New York state. They announced the current awardees this morning. Oh, so, yeah. New York state is moving forward. I, I did get a little tidbit from Connecticut that they are still aiming for to open its first business by the end of the, or early next year. Yep. And, and they finally pretty much finalized all the applicants they got 69 applicants, including 22 social equity cultivators. So they approved six more people um, for licenses. And Connecticut is moving forward, too, finally. You know, all different avenues for everybody. You know, everybody will say they have their lane, let them do their lane, and you push forward and where you need to. Yeah, well, that's the way I look at it. And I guess what you're saying at MJ BizCon, you could see all the lanes in one place, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, yeah, man. I And then this is how funny it could be. Like, we would talk about things like Redman, Method Man, Exhibit, um, all these individuals. And we look at them and we know them from our circles. But at MJ BizCon, there was almost no, but like it was, they were, they were secondary to the cannabis. They were just oh. part of the crew. They were another minority business owner. So now I'm sitting there, you know, red man's chilling, doing his thing. I'm, I'm grabbing myself a little smoke pop. Here comes Reggie. I was like, Oh, what's up? Yeah. Like, wow. Everybody's just a regular bloke. Cannabis is the star. And that's yes. in certain circles, you know? And that's usually in the, uh, like, the Minority Cannabis Business Association or uh, Minorities for Medical Marijuana circles. And then there were, like, there was a group of individuals that were certain owners of different organizations. And, you know, very similar to we seeing, you know, the whole rhetoric with uh, those shirts, the, the, the quote-unquote satire shirts. Um, did you catch anything about that? The buy weed from rich white men? Shirt? Yeah, I saw that. Was that at that was at MJ BizCon? What that did the shirt say on the front? Um, they said the same thing in the pocket. Oh, buy buy can now that was a satire, right? They were actually right. making fun of rich white men selling. No, candles. no, no. That was uh, not an anti-corporate weed. Sure, that was actually they believed that because that's no, what they, is they going on the internet. It, it was I don't I'm not justifying anything, but I mean like that was that was the stupidity that went on there, and that becomes a whole big thing because it was stupid, you know what I mean? Because they're picking fun at a licensed trademark business. Um so it's interesting, you know what I mean? So you see all different routes, and then the alcohol and cocaine crowd and um things like that, you know what I mean? Right, right. Anybody of note that was there that you met? Um, um, the same standard. But it's always fun watching Jim Belushi film his show. 
Oh, so he was there. I was going to ask about him. He's at, he's at all the conferences now. I see he's going to be at Nikan in uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool to watch the show get filmed. You know what I mean? Now he has what, a podcast? No, no, he's got a TV show on Discovery Network. He does? Growing Belushi, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's actually his Oregon farm. And it tells the whole story. Like, literally, it's a reality series following him on his cannabis adventures. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'll have to and check that out. And it's on Discovery. Out. I'll have to check that out. Well, you um, should. It's a pretty good show. I will. I will. <laughs> I definitely will. Were there any other celebrities of note there? Mike Tyson? Um, all Snoop, of them. All of them. those, ultimately. They were there. Every There was fab. Uh, you know, um, maybe if I kept up touch with who these celebrities were, it'd be different. Like I said, most of the time they're just in there trying to get their brands out and set up. There was a couple podcast areas that were going. So you see all the different celebrity endorsers pop in there. And then uh, our good friend Eve over at Ardent, they were debuting their product, the Bellow. And uh, Chanel Lindsay was there and they had they had a lot of influencers stop by and they scheduled those in. And, you know, it's pretty awesome to watch how this industry has grown. And. Um, and we go from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know Jason was down there. Yep. I Jason saw Ortiz some... from students from a sensible drug policy program. Yep. Well, that's good. I'm glad it was eventful. I'm glad you uh, were able to make it down there. And yes. uh, yep. Oh, good. Very good. Yeah. And now you're Throwing back in Connecticut. I know. Um, 37 degrees. Yep. Freezing. Getting ready for uh, getting ready for the winter out there. That's right. So that was one of, you know, nights, nights in Vegas are a little chilly, but it's all good. It's the been events, a while since I've been to Vegas. The events were very nice. The The way that the events were put on, there was in, indoor and outdoor spaces. So every event that we went to had an indoor and an outdoor space. Um, actually, one event didn't even have an indoor space. It was held in the Aria at the pool. So now it's still fall fall weather in vegas at night so the pool's not open but they hosted the event out there oh for wow. consumption for consumption purposes right and what hotel where, where was it at the convention center it wasn't at a hotel right it's at the convention center the las vegas convention center great 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 yeah las vegas and nevada is a a very hot spot for cannabis as you would expect um oh yeah they now correct me if I'm wrong. They basically got rid of their medical program and just combined it all into um, an adult use. Well, they just the dispensaries there. Over. The dispensaries there have a medical line. Medical gets the preferential treatment and no taxes. Right, and that was so, how they were able to open up dispensaries so quickly. Right. They just quickly converted what was medical into both right away. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they got, cause I, I remember correctly about Nevada. They were able to start operating very fast. 
mm-hmm. unlike you know what we're seeing what we've seen in other states where it's taken a long time to get the thing going so and and they seem to have a very robust cannabis market out there like a lot of dispensaries oh yeah you know like we stopped that we stopped that uh planet 13 which is the biggest one in the world and you walk in there's a cafe there's a full production line for edibles that you can watch there's pop-up stores inside of it and actually a friend of mine jerome baker glass um was out there doing his pop-up shop and you know it was pretty cool to see some familiar faces and and um really experience the cannabis culture on all sides in another state you know well, yeah, that's why it's important to travel and go to these things uh, so that you can get a good view of of what, okay, okay, there's Ben, okay, of what's going on in other states. You know? I got it to work. Hello. There, there you are, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. Hey, how's it going, sir? Hey, Lou, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So right now with us, we have Ben Zachs, and he's the founder and executive of uh, Fine Fettel, a Connecticut-based multi-state cannabis operator in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Georgia. Fine Fettel owns and operated three of the 18 dispensaries in Connecticut located in Newington, Stanford, and Willimantic. Ben drives the strategy, brand, and vision of the business. Fine Fettel operates up and down the supply chain, from cultivation, extraction, manufacturing, and retail. Always good to see you, Ben. Nice to see your face on the show. Yeah, thank you guys for being in with this scraggly, work too hard, not enough time to shave beard. Well, that's what what happens out there when you start things, things start to happen. How are things uh, in the Connecticut um, medical cannabis industry right now? Yeah, so we're in this time of change, honestly, or impending change. Uh, you know, in terms of the medical program, um, you know, sort of land of steady habits in a certain sense right now. Um, you know, patient population in the state is, has come down, which is generally the standard that it comes down between 15 and 20 percent as states convert from medical to adult use. Obviously, Connecticut's adult use rollout has been um they're pretty slow as compared to other states, mm-hmm. right? The bill was passed last July. So God, that's 16 months now um, that we're sort of waiting for, for this hybrid change to happen. Um, you know, but I think from a planning standpoint, we're gearing up for, we're gearing up for the beginning of, of hybrid and adult use sales. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the medical front, I, I think it's been sort of business as usual. Um, you know, even right. as the patient population has dwindled, we've done a great job. Uh, just continuing to grow, stay steady or, or, or grow month over month. We haven't had down months at all, which I'm super proud of. So it's been a, it's been a good wild thing, um, you know, in all this prepping and planning. Right, right. So you will be um, converting your dispensaries to adult use. Is that already a done deal? Is that all been approved and ready to go? So yeah, we received notification that all of our application materials were, uh, were complete, submitted, um, approved. We've had zoning in Willimantic since like last September, zoning in Newington since last November. We got zoning in Stanford in March. And so all three of our facilities are ready. 
We've completed uh, construction additions in Newington and Willimantic to increase our vault size to prepare to add more registers. Stanford we built later, so there was no additional work to do. But um, yeah, we're we're ready and waiting. The only thing that's left for us, candidly, is to get the 30-day notice, the go-ahead, and to finalize our um, our hiring. We're, we're probably going to bring on about 120 employees across our three locations that are new. That's great. Yeah. So, um, you know, and we've been interviewing and telling people, hey, like, we love you. We want to have you, but we've got to make financial decisions of, you know, not onboarding people until it's ready. So, you know, that's sort of what we're waiting on. Of those 120, we've got about 60 people now that we're ready, you know, to green light and send offer letters to right when we feel comfortable from the state. So, right. And, and even you still have to wait for the uh, adult use cultivators to get up and running and we start having product to sell you, right? <laughs> yeah, we need 250,000 square feet of canopy from the four producers, which is a, a very specific number that I think represents their four facilities. Um, you know, I I think and hope that they are uh, doing what they can to get going. Uh, I've heard that all four at this point are submitted and three are sort of ready to go. And one is still waiting on some approvals. But, you know, that's more through the grapevine talk. Um, and so I think, though, that this is coming pretty soon. And, you know, we're hoping that micro cultivators uh, who have been approved can get moving and going we're hope to see some of these other uh, cultivation licenses that get to move. You know, we're working on that as well with our partners. So, you know, lots going on and, you know, excited to see like what this market becomes. Yeah, it's got to be exciting. You've been now, obviously, as a medical producer, you've only been able to purchase product from the four cultivators. And it's yeah. pretty much you get what you get. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know if a lot of people know, but... When you get the product, it's already weighed, packaged, sealed. You can't even look inside. You don't even know what it, it looks like, pretty Correct. much. Yeah. And yeah. And so it's got to be a breath of fresh air for you to be able to start selling, you know, some more uh, craft type products, some type of things that, you know, might be of a different quality. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I've been very on the record saying publicly, privately to everyone that I don't think there are enough producers right now. I, I do worry right. about supply numbers in general. I think, you know, the four producers have ramped up. They should. It's going to be great for their business when adult use starts. But yeah, we're excited to bring on other operators, right? Like whether that's mom and pop, whether it's craft operators, whether it's just the manufacturer, whether it's just new product varieties, gummies will become available in adult use. Um you know, I hope to see from some of these manufacturing licenses, like some niche edible and extract type products. Um, you know, we think it's a good thing that the market opens up and that we can showcase businesses and, you know, new operators and entrepreneurs. Like we think that is good. We think that more product coming into the market is a good thing. Heck, we are hoping to operate and bring out our product into the market. And so, you know, we think it's good overall and um, ultimately is good for the consumer, will be good for pricing, but it's going to take time. It is going to it's, take real yeah, time until operators come in, you know, to build up a, a big grow, quote unquote, like you were looking at a year minimum to build right. your facility, you know, maybe nine months if you can really do it. But like when you add in local zoning and planning boards and then you have to 
grow the product, right? That, unless you're, don't ask, don't tell where some of the genetics and, and you know, maybe bigger plants came from, um, you know, but in Connecticut, originally, you always had to start from seed. Well, if that's the case, you know, it's going to take another four months to get started and get a product. And then you have to get it tested and you have to get it through the brand registry, et cetera. So like, it's going to be a long time until we see more product in the state, but once we do, it's going to be exciting. And, um, you know, and hopefully some of these micro cultivators or other operators can either buy distillate or whatever it might be, um, or get their smaller grows set up so that we can see more brands and more operators in the market sooner than that. But it's going to take time. And I hope people understand that, you know, construction is, construction is what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know the state has been shooting for the beginning of the year to get, I, I still don't see that as realistic um, to start a do adult use sales. I think it's going to be more like the summer. Or the spring. See, I, you know, I, I think, see, I, and Joe, I've said this as well. I think that the four producers and the established medical market will be able to go online ASAP. It's literally just a flip of the switch. The new cultivators are going to take a little longer. Um, even if you're ahead of the game, even if you, so say everyone, the first group got notice July. Now you have to go into zoning, depending on your town. Zoning could be one zoning meeting or zoning could be four zoning meetings, it's one meeting a month. So that's either the difference between a one month time period or four month time period. Yeah. And then from zoning. And it's not even zoning. It's getting your site. I mean, you need an engineer to look at your site plan and look at your building. Before you get to zoning. Right. Before, before you get to zoning, it's months zone. of work. You know, and then after that, you hope nobody appeals it. And then yeah, you got to wait 30 days in most towns. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a, it's a, it's a real process. And so what happens in every market is these medical operators like us get, get first mover advantage, you know, and putting your time, putting your dues, you've set up a facility, you've set up a market. Um, hey, generally makes a reasonable level of sense. And, um, you know, and then you go. And so, but these other operators, yeah, it's going to take time. Plus we are not exactly in the best capital environment. This is not cannabis yeah. of three or four years ago. We have rising interest rates. We have very little equity available. You have a very expensive license. You have construction that's taking a long time. We're building a 118,000 square foot building in Georgia. And, um, you know, electrical switch gear was supposed to, we got lead time questions from 52 to 80 weeks. Well, how do you run a wow. facility without electrical switch gear? So it's going to take, it's going to take time. I do think adult use sales will start in early Q1, but it will be the products and the producers that right. we all know and love. I'll, I'll yeah. say, I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yes, that we all know and love. Yeah. It's so, not going to be to the summer until we get new products. Yeah, that's I what's think that's probably realistic. And the first ones will likely not be from a cultivator or no. even maybe a microphone cultivator. The They'll first operator to come to the market. Exactly. Food and beverage, manufacturing, et cetera. That's what you're going to see first, because if, you know, the four producers are candidly willing to sell them, whether it's distillate or it's hash rosin or resin, something that they can put in an edible or, or extract themselves, right? That's how it's going to get started. So, right. you know, there's, there's work to be done for sure, you know, but I think we have to be 
realistic of timelines and realities because hey people are going to be pissed saying oh i can only buy from these four guys well cannabis is it's this is a hard i always it's a hard business with a lot of work and a can i say shit ton no, shit no, ton no. Of money. <laughs> so, that's all right we can get away with one but yeah it takes right. a ton of money especially in this state the way they set it up yeah you know the 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 licenses are pretty expensive uh, it's, you know, it's not something that you can just open up like a liquor store, um, right. or a convenience store. You, there's a lot of things you have to go through. And I wanted to just get your take. Uh, you, so you have obtained licenses in Massachusetts, Rhode Island and Georgia here. Yeah. What do you find as the differences in the processes? Was there any state that was easier or less less complicated than the other ones? So yes and no. I mean, you know, in Massachusetts, there's like, it's an, it's an open system, right? So if you can fill out the checklist, essentially, you are good to go, right? If you can fill out the checklist, you are good to go. Um, and so you get your local real estate, you get your local zoning, you get your local host community agreement, you fill out the paperwork, you get a, you know, you send your SOPs, you send your this, you're good. Massachusetts, right? And so in a sense, Massachusetts is the simplest because you know exactly what is called for you. In Georgia, they had an application, 69 applicants. We were lucky enough to score first place. Um, there have been lawsuits from the losing applicants around what's going on. We're, you know, dealing with that. But you know, we knew there was an application, we knew there was a rubric, and, and we were lucky enough to win. Um, you know, Rhode Island, uh, you know, they had an application for dispensaries, it was a lottery, and you filled out the paperwork, right, you know, it was up to ping pong balls. So, and then Connecticut, we've got this, you know, lottery system, we've got the, you know, we came in through an RFP similar to what we did in Georgia. So every state's nuanced. Um, you know, I think Massachusetts is the most available, right, because nobody gets rejected if you do the work. And in the other states, you know, there's a barrier to entry of just, you know, luck or application or skill or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, here in Connecticut, what they they sent the applications to an outside agency. You know, they didn't even do the work themselves. Well, some states, so I just want to note, like some states, right, Massachusetts, they built a cannabis control commission, commission internally right. that reviews everything. In Connecticut, when we did our application, everything was scored by DCP. Now the lottery sort of social equity approvals, those are outsourced to Cone Resnick as an accounting firm to read things. Um, Georgia did it internally. Ohio did it through an outside vendor scoring. Like there's just consistency in the inconsistency of how this market and industry is set up. Yeah, it, it would be nice to have like one system, but that, you know, that's going to take time till the feds yeah. actually get off their butt and do something. Right. But we've seen some movement on that end. So yeah. you never you never know. Yep. But um, you know, I also noticed that you picked up six social equity applicants for joint ventures. Seven. And I'm seven now. Okay, good. Yeah. And I'm very excited to hear about that. Um, what types of businesses will you be uh partnering up with? Cultivators, dispensary, dry, uh, sure. delivery, what what which which so, types are you doing? So the um you know, based on the change in the law from this July, which allows two equity joint ventures per per license, we've 
submitted for six additional retail locations um, as equity joint ventures, which were all approved. And then we, uh, you know, partnered with a we partnered with a group as well on the Section 149 cultivation. So that's six plus one. So that's the seven. Um, you know, we plan to open retail as well as the cultivation facility. Uh, we are partnering with a group of individuals who um, the shortest amount of time our team has known them is 22 years, um, one of which there was a great article about Canard in the Hartford Business Journal the other day uh, or last week. Um, you know, and so we've been able to create a partnership where, uh, you know, we've come together to work on these licenses, to have ownership, um, to create entrepreneurs, to build a team, to take some of our operational expertise and um, you know, partner with folks who are mission and, and core aligned and candidly people who we really know and care about. So um, our first equity joint venture location will be in Manchester. Um, we got zoning approval there a few months ago. We are under construction. We've submitted our paperwork to convert from our provisional to our final license. We should have a certificate of occupancy by the end of the year. And then you know, we'll wait for our inspections and reviews and the process you know, to get open. So there's a world depending on adult use start dates where, you know, there's an equity joint venture uh, and retail adult use only location that opens up with all the medical operators. And, you know, we're proud of working on that timeline. And then, you know, we've been working on real estate throughout the state. You know, we got rejected with zoning in Old Saybrook where, you know, we are appealing that and, and submitting there, uh, resubmitting based on, you know, the rejection we got. We're signing locations wherever we can. We have a 20 mile radius that you can't be in between. And 20 miles goes a very long way in the state of Connecticut. Yes, so, yes. You know, like I grew up in West Hartford, you know, Manchester to, you know, like Middletown, you know, is like just above 20 miles. I think of those as like totally separate sides of the world, yeah, right? They, um, in a certain sense. And, uh, you know, it's a little hard, but we're working on them and we want to get those open. Great, great. And these are all social equity from Connecticut. These are all Connecticut people. All of our folks are born, uh, I'm not sure if one is born in Connecticut, but raised in Connecticut, lived in Connecticut, uh, lives in Connecticut. And again, folks that we have known, literally, you know, you know, it was in the article, Kennard, you know, he was my babysitter when I was, when I was 10 and 11 years old, right? And so, um, you know, like these are real deep personal connections that we're doing this with. And our other two, uh, uh, partners are the same type type of type of story with us, so it's pretty cool. And yeah, uh, they're they're Connecticut based. That's that's good to hear. That's yeah. good. Everyone's from Hartford, so that, that's good to hear. Yeah. So we will have not only uh, three fine fettles, but we will have six other joint ventures. Yeah, we'll go. Fine those will go by the name of fine fettle, right? We are all in agreement that brand recognition and okay, you know, SOPs and uh, different things are are sort of good for all to sort of use our brand and name, uh, you know, everyone is sort of in agreement that that's the way to do it. But um, yeah, so more fine battles will will come. And, you know, we think we've, I know not everyone loves us every moment of the day, but uh, I think you know, I'm proud of what we've done. I'm proud of the brand we're building. I'm proud of the customer experience we've created. And so, you know, we think it's a good thing to to continue that. I, I totally agree, Ben, you know, and, and I, you know, I hear what you're saying about not, you know, not everyone loving you all the time. It, all right. it, the point is you're still selling the same stuff that everyone else is selling. 
Correct. And and for you, then that means it's all about the customer experience. It's all about how you serve the customers and things like that. And and frankly, because you are a Connecticut resident, and because I believe you deeply care about this state, uh, I have heard that out of all the dispensaries, your dispensaries probably are the most customer friendly and, uh, you. you know, give give the best service. So, you know, that's an important thing to have. But I, I just don't think people realize your hands are tied. You can only buy the, the medicine you can buy. That's bottom yeah, line. And so I always like to say that, you know, before we finished building, um, you know, we went to a few other dispensaries around the state and we talked to patients and said, like, you know, what's going on? And every patient had the like literally every single one. When you said what dispensary do you go to, they like answered so quickly with no sort of enthusiasm. And that's nothing to take away from the other dispensaries. But this the narrative in Connecticut was, you know, and at that time, candidly, it was like, I only buy AGL. <laughs> right. Like, or I like Cure Leafs edibles. Or I like, you know, Theraplant is the only one that's priced right, right? Like, or CT Pharma has the best extracts. Those were the four things that we heard consistently. Right. So if you were like a bakery edibles person, you bought Cureleaf. If you wanted quality flour, you bought AGL. If you want, and so on and so forth. Now, I think those reputations have changed a little, but I was like, this is totally the wrong story and message. And so we focused, and so the term that we use internally is like, we have to be maniacal about customer service, right? right. And so that means like, we got to learn everyone's name. We got to get to know them. We have to have a thing because we wanted people to like say, I go to find federal and that's where I get my cannabis medicine. And we had to change the narrative. And so we really focused on that. And then, you know, one of our patients actually posted it on Instagram very early on fine federal fam, hashtag fine federal fam. And like, it's stuck. And now like everything to the point of probably annoyance for some is fine federal fam from us. And, um, you know, and that's sort of like what you want in a, you know, we're trying to create what we want in a customer experience so that people right. want to come back to us. Right. right. Because right, right, right. You know, it is the same medication, but, uh, you know, we try and have a bigger and better menu. We try and have more of what people want. We try and treat them better. We try and get them through the line quicker or spend more time with them to pay, depending on the, the desire. And, you know, like this is not a special sauce. I think it's the special sauce is how we do it. But the expectation is that's what we think it means to run a good retail business. Right. You do events. I've seen you do special events there. Yeah. You know, you had a whole weekend of events, one at each of your dispensaries. Uh, you know, these are all customer and patient oriented things. So, yeah. you know, I think that's important just to, to make yourself stand out from all the others because they tend right. to be just like corporate, you know, by the book, no fun almost. <laughs> you know, so, so, hey, sometimes, right? Like, you know, as businesses grow, they have a different experience right like i've been to seattle and went to like the original starbucks doesn't feel like every other starbucks right because it was sort of the first and as we grow we need to think about like how do you keep that sort of model and as we grow in states it's like how do you make sure that yeah. people still feel that so you know and they're great like really good employees at a lot of these places in connecticut and oh yeah you know, people sometimes feel like oh they got corporate bought out well you know who didn't get corporate bought out like the dispensary technician and the pharmacist and the front desk person, they are still dealing with meeting, talking to every single customer. But 
you know, you have to set a cultural tone from the top on how you treat people. And so I think that, you know, I hope that if you ask my employees, like what's been like, they would say like, he cares, he cares about me and us in the store because um, once I think employees sort of lose that from the top and that every layer keeps that feeling, um, you have a better chance to have an environment where people are happy and excited to be a part of it, right? Like if I treat my employees like crap, guess what? They're going to treat the customer like crap. And so we've got to like really stay focused on that. And as you grow, it's really hard to keep that culture. Like when Absolutely. We you can only be in so many places, right? Exactly. You're the CEO. You want to have your, you want to know what's going on. So you now have Georgia. Yeah. You now have Rhode Island, Mass. And luckily, they're close. So you can yeah. go, go, to them. <laughs> right. go to them whenever you need to. But yeah, and it's important. I think people got to realize that you are the owner and you still are hands-on with your dispensaries. You can't say that about the other ones. Yeah, you know, hey, Boris is not that, a cure leave. How, how long can that last? You know, I don't know. And I'm proud of our, right? Like it's this balance because I'm proud of our growth. Right. I am very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Um, but at the same time, I know that when you grow, like there are things that happen and you know, I, I sort of, I, I wrote like our holiday letter to all the staff, um, you know, like to all of our staff. And I said, like, we are going from startup to growth mode. And you could think about that as like going from being a, a kid to a teenager in a sense of like, when you're a teenager, you get into more trouble because you have more responsibility in a certain sense. And because the outcomes are scarier or because, you know, there's more on your plate. And so, um, you know, we have to set up good we have to set up good systems now because you can't just pick up the slack right, right. of like oh we missed this I, I always tell this story like in our first when we were just Willamantic our manager Debbie and I used to text at like literally two in the morning being like oh man we haven't done an Instagram post in like four days what are we going to post tomorrow right and like that was the level of nitty-grittiness that we were involved in and now it's just different problems Right. Um, but there's still problems. So it's OK. It's, it's like anything else. It's just yeah. like life. But I wanted to mention real quick, too. I saw on your social media that you have partnered with the last prisoner project. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I want to I'm very interested in that. Yeah. So across all of our dispensaries, and this is one where I, I might botch the details a little bit. I'm going to be totally honest. But uh, okay. across our dispensaries, we um, you know, have a revenue share on certain items and a donation set up with the Last Prisoner Project. Um, it's something that, you know, we you know, we are hyper aware of the reality in cannabis that like there is a dichotomy between the legal market and the past, right? And that is both um, in terms of like, you know, I have sold more marijuana today in my stores than somebody who is right now sitting in jail or right. sold in their whole life. And I was convinced. Here, I'll put that into 100%. 100% facts. That is a Eight fact. Pounds, half ounce of marijuana, two years each. That's what I was sentenced with. All right. So that's four ounces of marijuana. I got eight years for an ounce, for four ounces for QP. All right. 
So you sell that in, a, in, in an hour, right, Ben? All the CBD products for we sell last that that in an hour. I mean, God, we might sell that. We might sell that in, in 10 minutes I mean, some days, right? right? So I got eight years of that. There is a dichotomy here between the realities. And, you know, you can't solely move forward in cannabis. You have to look back at the past and understand it. Now, I think the industry is trying to be a part of righting those wrongs, but the operators need to be a part of that as well. And so, you know, the last prisoner project is, you know, uh, they're a national group. They have a lot of power and voice. We also do things locally in our various areas around expungement, expungement clinics, um, you know, helping support like, like, you know, pro bono legal work. Um, you know, so there's other stuff that we do, but we think that like one of the really cool things about cannabis and it's bad that this has to be cool is like, there is an aspect of you have to do the things the right way to even be in the industry. Now, is that perfect? No. Are we thinking about, no, like think about how much different our world would be. I like to say, if from the beginning, Facebook and Twitter and blah, 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 had to have a social component of their businesses being able to exist. And how much different would our world be, right? And cannabis is attempting to do that. It's really hard. You know, that's why social equity has not been done right anywhere. And so however we can be a part of it, and you have to be a part of it at three levels, you have to be a part of it to the entrepreneur. You know, I talk about this triangle of equity all the time. You have to be a part of the entrepreneur, which is the smallest part of the triangle. You have to help you know, employees create jobs, employment, help right the wrongs of the past, have a diverse group. And then you have to help the broader world of cannabis. That means communities most affected are the war on drugs, individuals, because there is a huge amount of numbers, right? Lou just gave a very real personal experience that I cannot pretend to empathize with, right? I have zero of that experience, but I know that it is real. And so, you know, the more that we can do to, to, to fix that is incredibly, incredibly important. And you have to do it again on all of these levels that, you know, we try and be a part of. I like what you had to say. At some, at some point, it becomes, you know, the responsibility of the producers and, and the people who are actually out there in the legal industry to take part. The best way that. to do that is to put guys like me in the driver's seat. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, then, yeah. Lou's got to get the opportunity to be in the right. Lou's guys like Lou have to be in the opportunity to be in the driver's seat, right? Now, what Lou does from the driver's seat is up to Lou and up to whomever he can bring on and his team and his partner. But there has to be an opportunity for it, right? And like, you know, I don't want to d- dive into Connecticut's laws or whatever, like if the social equity applicant is what one should be in those definitions, but like, not even going there. You, you gave seven not going individuals. There. Now listen, Ben. You gave seven individuals a chance to completely change their life while they have lived, worked, and breathed around this plant. May not have been there every day like you and I, but my mother isn't looked at as a cannabis user. But all her sons were arrested for weed. You're gonna say her life wasn't affected by it, right? You know what I mean? Our yeah. mothers, our sisters, our cousins. Our neighbors who have to, even the best individual that was sitting in the hood and had to live around the trap houses, their kids are great kids now because they knew what it was from the seven years old. You know what I mean? Walking over things, walking past things. So any one of those seven individuals that you gave an opportunity to partner with so that they can own their own company and actually be a part of something amazing. Kudos to you, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, yeah, and, and, and like, that's the whole, you know, that's the interesting thing with this equity joint venture, because, you know, I, I've seen tons of feedback just on the idea. And for like, I can only talk for us, right? Like, I think we're doing it the right way, right? Like, I, I, I really do. I think we're, you know, I was on site on construction site in Manchester. And like, I went there for the first time. And like, I, I invited our partners, and they were there. And we were talking through plans. And why did we make this decision? Why is the vault this expensive, expensive vault, it, you know, 450 square feet. Why do we make it so big and spend so much money on that? Why X, Y, and Z? So there's an educational piece around it. And, um, you know, and then there's an opp opportunity for it. And, you know, for us, like these are real personal connections. And so, you know, I, I hope that at the end of the day, whatever the noise says, that our partners are like happy and content and learned and, and, ult and then we did a good job and ultimately, you know, can change their life trajectory from this opportunity that candidly, the state structured for us to set up for them. And, um, you know, and we're, we do it together and hopefully it's a rousing success. It's just the fact that you, you, you took the chance and gave them the opportunity. I think that's great. I just think that's really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it, it plays out. I'm looking forward to seeing how the whole industry plays out. Same. Oh, sorry, sorry. So what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, Ben, is that you're gonna have nine beautiful new locations, adult use and or and or hybrid, because that's and yeah. don't let's get this off. Nobody gets scared by those numbers. The awesome Boris has ten joint ventures, ten so a ten uh, uh, EJVs coming in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these things are outrageous. And so to have six come in that are being so hyper-focused on the individual and the patient and not what Boris was quoted this weekend saying was he wants to turn the cannabis industry to the exact, the exact mimic of the tobacco industry in the streamlined SOP style where it's the same mechanics, the same machines, the same everything everywhere literally to churn people in and out of the doors. So now you can look forward to across the world. That's what Cureleaf does, right? So it is what it is. That's what their CEO talked about. So are we looking at 10 of these coming into the state that way? With their already established? Who knows? You yeah, know? I, I, hey, I don't know exactly how anyone else is doing it. I, um, you know, I've seen their sort of, their plans. Um, Hey, by definition, they need to do it with these equity joint venture partners. Um, but I don't, know their, I don't know what their plan and deal looks like. I got no idea. Oh, no, 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 yeah. I'm not. Yeah, Even with should, that, should. they're going to give 10 individuals that same life-changing opportunity. Ah. And then it's what they do with it. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I always say that for everything. Forget yeah. if the game was rigged, game's bad, game's anything. If you have a personal <laughs> feeling about it. Sure. These, there is one individual in each one of these instances that is having their life changed. Right. Yeah. Like in right. every one of them. It's not if Ben's doing it or if somebody else. It's, no, that individual made the choice to join the game. They would right. rather be in the NFL than on the sidelines watching the game. Right. So big shout out to everyone who was the actual social equity applicant that did get into this move because there is going to be so much room for education. Yeah. You know, the 
partnering with organizations like Fine Fettle, you guys are coming in with a wealth of knowledge. As you said, you guys sat there and all decided together what size the vault was going to be. Why? <laughs> you learned those things because that's right. one of 15,000 decisions that right. you guys are going to make together. But now you have an understanding of how you each work together. And this okay. is that growth that's going to happen. No matter what the brand, no matter what it is, for at least every single one of those social equity applicants. You know, there's a lot of our guests have become social equity applicants. They come on. Huge shout out to Kennard because we absolutely love him. That's yeah. one of the homies. So yeah. it is, you he know. Is. He is. Um, so huge shout out on yeah. all that and seeing him on the paper and seeing him really, it was <laughs> a super joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right. Um, very and cool. those are the stories that are going to be going around the state as more people become public. And it's going to be, oh, wow, it's this person. Oh, wow, it's this person. And then you start looking at the partner secondary, you know, and right. there's a whole yeah. different way of looking at it then. But big Agreed. shout out to all the recipients of the uh, of their of their licenses as it comes through, because they're done picking lottery and everything now. So yeah, for now, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Ben, real quick. Um, there's been a lot of controversy out there about yes. the pro the the uh, the practice of remediation yeah. out there in the uh, in the medical industry here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the practice? And you know, whose job is it to educate the public about that? So <laughs> there's a lot to this, and it's not so simple. I will first say the best remediation of cannabis is no remediation, right? Let's be very clear. The best remediation is no remediation. And I'm going to sort of bounce around a little bit. So we are an outdoor grower in Massachusetts. We grow in the sun, outdoors. We do not use a secondary soil. We use the ground of Hinsdale, Massachusetts, right? We cannot pass testing in Massachusetts because their laws combine microbials, moisture, and mold. An outdoor grower in Massachusetts cannot, cannot pass. We don't use any pesticides. We have no heavy metals, et cetera. Now, we don't remediate and sell our flour in Massachusetts. We extract and make live resin and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're making a salt. We're, we're building a solventless brand and we make live um, dabbable products, batter, butter, batter, chatter wax, right? And so we literally cannot because of testing requirements. Um, you know, there is a lot of research being done and there's a lot of ways of, of remediation, right? There is, um, there's x-ray, there's ozone, there's hydrogen peroxide. Candidly, I'm not an expert on it. However, right, what I do know around remediation is that it really hurts terpenes and the flavor and taste of the product. I also know that, right, like, if you have botrytis on your plant and you have, right, like powdery mildew, whether it's the black market or whether it's the gray market or whether it's the green market, depending on the states, the green market is what I call the legal market, right? There is remediation happening. And I don't believe by any means that when product is remediated, it is inherently unsafe afterwards, right? It passes testing, whether how strict or not strict it is to across the board, right? If you have product that has had mold and you do a CO2 extraction and do, use a vape cart or distillate, right, it kills everything off. Should nobody be vaping because of that? 
in states where there's no testing. Is there a problem? I do think that if product has been remediated, it should be listed on the label. I was going to ask you that. They yeah, don't. it should be listed on the label. In Massachusetts, if you remediate, you need to list on the label. I actually think in Mass, you need to say what your remediation type was because some people might not want product that was x-rayed versus ozone versus um, versus hydrogen peroxide versus whatever else is sort of happening. Um, you know, a lot of times when you extract, you don't test the product beforehand because you know that either the ethanol, the CO2, or the hydrocarbon is going to kill anything off other than heavy metals, right? And so there's so, so many elements to it. And then, you know, there's a, a, I think there is a double standard of, you know, operators who need to test versus operators who don't test, right? Or you test yourself. Like in Maine, there is no testing requirement. In Rhode Island, there used to not be a testing requirement. In Mass, there's an incredibly strict testing requirement. In Connecticut, the testing was, um, you know, is less strict than people wanted. I, we, you know, but now they're testing for specific types of, of mold that we know are harmful when ingested, right? Aspergillus being one of them and others. And so there is not like a right and wrong answer. I really do believe though that, again, the best remediation is to not have to remediate. It's the keeping your facility clean and making sure that you don't have mold spores. It's But remediation is not inherently unsafe, right? And right. But is it a best practice for the quality of your plant and product and the consumability of the product? No, it is not. And I do think that customers should be um, informed. informed. I, 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 I like this that idea, that idea of labeling it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. do All right. So we got about, we've got about a minute left, guys. So, uh, yeah. Ben, if you could just uh, give us your social handles for the for Fine Feto sure. and list where they are or how they can get to find out information about the locations. Sure. We'll go from so so finefedo.com, uh, you can pick the location closest to you. And then the website is smart and knows that you want to go there. Again, there is no more one dispensary rule in Connecticut. So like, come say hi, check us out, see another dispensary, go around, see the experience. We're finefedo CT on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, Willimantic, Newington and Stanford will be open adult use with an equity joint venture, hopefully in January in uh, Manchester. And, um, you know, where, what are the names in Mass? Is this all fine oh, fennel all over? Sorry, yeah, in Mass, we're on Martha's Vineyard. So if you're on vacation, go to oh, Martha's nice, Vineyard. Nice. We're in Rowley, which is on the North Shore. We have a farm in Hinsdale. Uh, we're building a grow in, in Macon. And in, in Rhode Island, medical patients can go to Rhode Island and soon will be a Dell's use. All the happy HAPI products, which are vapes, Pax Pods, um, Dell's Lemonade, uh, the canned drinks, um, you know, capsules all made by us. So the happy brand is, is our affiliate brand in Rhode Island. Oh, very cool. That's good yeah. to know. That's good to know. Ben, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for speaking and letting us know what you got going on in the state. And we look forward to seeing all these new great ventures opening up and uh, awesome. And know, we hope much we more hope success. First, we hope that on the first day of adult use, you guys are, uh, we get good weather and you guys are outside live, uh, you know, with the radio show at one of our stores on the first day of what's going to be an exciting day in Connecticut, which hopefully will be soon. All right. Yes, well, absolutely. I'll, I'll take that one step further. Maybe we're at that place and maybe we're buying a certain brand of cannabis. Who knows? Who knows? Let's do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right a lot guys. of good things to look up for in the future. Thank ben, so thank much, you so and, uh, much. And good luck to USA in three minutes in the World Cup. That's oh, right. That's right. That's right. All right. Take care. Lou. Take care. We'll see you next week.